Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. Hello and welcome to The Shaman's Brew. In last week's show, I told you a little bit about some of the upcoming changes in the format of my show and a hint of what you might expect in the weeks ahead. Tonight, I am going to reveal more details about those changes along with some exciting news and opportunities for you, my listeners. Starting with next week's show, I'm going to offer guided lessons on what I believe to be the most important tool that anyone can develop to open abilities that will flow through your mind, body, and soul, bringing balance and self-discovery of exactly who and what you are in your human body. Through the use of secret, never-before-released techniques from my Toltec shamanic lineage, coupled with the technology from my scientific research with the Monroe Institute, I am going to teach those willing to learn how to throw back the earthly veil that blinds us from the true nature of the multiverse and perceive the awe-inspiring wonders of a magical universe that you only thought existed in your wildest dreams. Not only am I going to walk you down this path of self-discovery, I am going to teach you how to interact with the energy fields of others and other places, some being quite exotic. You will learn how to shift your assemblage point to balance your energetic body and promote healing and well-being. You will learn how to use this ability to shift your awareness to a higher state of consciousness and travel with your mind alone to places far away on this earth and beyond, traversing the very dimensional boundaries just now being discovered by modern theoretical physicists. You will learn tools to empower your own energy system and become more than you ever possibly dreamed and do things that will stretch the limits of possibility. I will teach you how to attain full waking consciousness in your dreams. You will learn how to dreamwalk or enter a state of dreaming as it is known in my lineage or dream time to the Aborigines of Australia. You will learn to meet up with others also who have developed the ability to become aware in their dreams and collaborate information that can be validated back in normal waking consciousness. Finally, I will teach you how to use these techniques to raise your frequencies of awareness to focuses or planes of entirely different realities, places you may have heard of like the astral plane or mental plane or the heaven worlds. Yes, you will even be able to meet and interact with lost loved ones who have crossed over once you have mastered these techniques. I will be offering a couple different methods of teaching with each show so that you may choose which is best suited for your own personal enlightenment. Of course, uh, all this is free of charge. All you will have to expend is your own time and desire to evolve. So whether you are seeking ways to improve your own health as well as enhancing your physical abilities or if you want to explore the totality of yourself and raise your awareness to perceive and interact with the multiverse around you, this is a show to tune into each week. 
and download the archives for further study. I feel so strongly that this is the time to reach out to those wanting help that I am offering this information for free right here on Jackalope Radio. The world is changing, my friends, and while I do not believe that it will be destroyed like in the movies, there will be physical and energetic changes. These changes have been foretold by many indigenous cultures, including my own shamanic lineage. The ancient seers recognized these changes as normal cycles of creation, and they recorded and predicted them with such tools as the Mayan calendar. The tools I am offering you will help you in many ways as we enter this period of change, so I strongly recommend that you listen and learn to the best of your abilities as the Earth Mother prepares to rebirth once again. The value of this information is enough to prompt you to tune in each week, but just to entice you a bit more, I'm going to start giving away prizes and a random drawing based on the emails you send in to me. I will be giving away energy tools and sacred power items. Some of these uh, items will be centuries old and worth hundreds of dollars. There will be times when I need to send out information to you in email that I speak about on the show, so be sure to email me as soon as possible with questions, comments, or just to say hi and get added to the information list and to be qualified to win one of the many free prizes that I will be giving away weekly. You can email me at marcus at theshamansbrew.com. In the meantime, please help me to spread the word to your friends and families or even MySpace and Facebook contacts to tune in for the free lessons not offered anywhere else. These lessons will start next week. For the remainder of this show, I have a very special surprise and gift for you. I uncovered a very old and very, very rare interview with my friend and teacher, the one and only Dr. Carlos Castaneda. To my knowledge, this is the only audio interview with Carlos in existence. You will be hearing Carlos, the young anthropology student at UCLA, speaking to a small group about his recent book release, The Teachings of Don Juan. I must apologize in advance for the poor tape quality, uh, as it was recorded in 1968 on a portable reel-to-reel tape recorder. Even with this poor recording quality, this historical interview is an incredible gift. I might add, too, that the young Carlos has a very strong accent at this time. With that, I will now take you back in time to 1968 as the man who Time Magazine would soon be called the godfather of the New Age speaks to his fellow colleagues on the UCLA campus. I'm Jane Hellesell of the University of California Press, and I have here today Carlos Castaneda, the author of Teachings of Don Juan. I'm assuming that most of you have read the book. You all look like you have. <laughs> so uh, I think I'll just turn it over to Carlos and uh, let it go from there. Carlos? Okay. Maybe you would like to ask me something that you want to know. The way I uh, got to know was very... Uh, it's a way for tweet this type of affair. I was not interested in 
and finding what he knew, because I didn't know what he knew. I was interested in collecting plants. And I met him in Arizona. There was an old man that lived somewhere around there in the hills that knew a great deal about plants. And that was my interest, to collect information on plants. And uh, I, uh, we went, when well, this friend and myself, we went to look for him. And we were misguided by the Yuma Indians. And uh, we wound up in the hills and never found the old man. Um, it, it was later on, when I was at the end of this first trip that I made to Arizona, at the end of the summer, and I was ready to go back to Los Angeles, that uh, I was waiting in a bus stop and the old man walked in. And that's how I met him. Um, I. Uh, talked to him for about a year. I used to go and visit him. Periodically I visited him because I, I like him. He's very friendly, very consistent. It's very nice to be around him. He has a great sense of humor. And uh, I like him very much. And uh, that was my first uh, guiding yeah, I used to go seek his company because he was very humorous, very funny. But uh, I never suspected that he knew anything beyond uh, the, the being knowledgeable and the use of plants for medicinal purposes. Did you have a sense of how to live? No, no, I didn't. I, I thought he was fine. There was something strange about, about him. Well, anybody could tell that, you know, there's something very, uh, very strange. I, there are two people that I had taken down to the to the field with me, and that, uh, that they know him. They, they found that, that he, he has very haunting eyes when he looks at you, because most of the time he's squinting, or, and you don't, you don't think, he seems to be shifting. You would say that he's a shifty-looking man, because he's not looking. Except sometimes when he looks very... Whenever he looks very forceful, you could acknowledge that he's looking at you. And uh, But I never knew that he, he knew anything beyond that. I had no idea. When I went to do my field work, I always... I parted from the point of view that I was the anthropologist, of course doing the field work with the Indians, you know, that type of thing. And uh, that they were, uh, I was the one who knew most everything. <laughs> and, uh, they didn't. But, of course, that was a great, it was a great culture shock to find out that I didn't know anything. It's a great feeling that of really arriving. It's a sense of a, a humbleness. Because we are cut with the winners, with the conquerors. You know? And whatever we do is great, is logical, is, is magnificent. We are the only ones who are capable of anything noble. That's in the back of our mind. We can't avoid that. We cannot avoid that. And whenever we tumble down from that stand 
I feel it great. What country are you from? I'm from Brazil. I was born in Brazil. My grandfather's not standing. Uh, do you still think that he manipulated you in your last uh, part of your book into the situation in which uh, you were supposedly in danger of losing yourself? <laughs> well, there, there, there are two explanations. I prefer to think that he was cueing me. It makes me feel comfortable to think that this was an experience resulting from his manipulation or social cues. But maybe this witch was impersonating him. Every time I am in UCLA, of course I defend the position that he was manipulating me. That's the coherence, coaching to the the, the, the pursuit of academia. <laughs> but whenever I am in the field, I think they were impersonating. <laughs> and, and that's incoherent with what what they play there. That's a very diff it's a difficult transition to make. If you are going to be dwelling in a university, if I will be a teacher, if I know that I'm going to be a teacher all my life, I could say anything, you know, and it's nice, <laughs> but I'll, I may wind up again in the field very soon. <laughs> well, I, I made up my mind. I, I, I am going to go back maybe at the end of this month, and uh, I'm very serious about that. Could you describe the, the nature of your communication with Don Juan since you wrote the book? We're very good friends. He, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's capable always to, to, to baffle me by hitting me. He never takes anything serious. I am very serious in the sense, like, I think that I have withdrawn from this apprenticeship. And I'm very serious about that. I believe that, that I have. He doesn't believe it. No. <laughs> Do you find that uh, you, you, your approach to, to uh, reality or whatever is, is any different than being done one? Or, or how do you oh, yes, reality? Oh, yes, Very different. Very different. What, what way? Well, I, I don't take things too seriously anymore. <laughs> why did you write the second part of your book? Why? Essentially, I'm concerned we're rescuing something that has been lost for 500 years <laughs> because it's superstition. We all know that it's superstition and it's been taken as such. Therefore, in order to render it serious, to go beyond the, 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 the elation, but there must be something that could be distilled from the elation period. And to me, the only way to do it is by presenting it seriously in the, the format of the social discourse. Otherwise, it remains in the, in the level of the oddity. We have in the back of our minds the idea that only we could be logical, only we could be sublime, noble. Somehow, I feel, maybe I'm speaking for myself alone, but I, I, that, that's the ethnocentric character of our actions. In social science, you see that. Every social scientist goes to the field 
with louder with the idea that, that he's going to examine something and know. And uh, that's not fair, I think. There's no... So, um, in, in that sense, you see, the, I, I, can, I cannot be... I cannot escape that. Um, yes. I don't want in the book, in, uh, it mentioned that um, he asked you never to reveal the name that Masculina gave to you, yeah. or to reveal the circumstances but under which you met. Yeah. Yet you wrote this whole book relating Don Juan's knowledge to anyone who would read it. I asked him about that. I wanted to know before I ever never in writing something like that, I asked him if it was all right. I didn't reveal anything that that was not uh, permitted. I didn't I was interested in the logical system. It's a system of logical thought. It takes a long time, it took a long time for me to discover that this was a system as exhaustive as the best presented in this in the world in my world. But this this what is appealing is the order. And whatever I reveal in it has nothing to do with the things that were they say taboo. I reveal only the order, only the system. So as to make us to realize that the Indians are are, are very, very um tenacious. They are they are persistent people and as intelligent as as anybody. Why did you leave? Why did I leave? I got too frightened. Uh, there is this assumption in all of us, I think, that uh, we could give ourselves agreement that this is real. Any, I'm sure that many of you must have taken psychedelic substances, like LSD or something like that. And uh, the distortion that you suffer under the influence of psychedelic uh, is accountable by saying, I'm seeing such and such and that, that and that, or this and that, because I have taken something. That's in the back of our mind, always. So anything could be, uh, let's say, accounted for in a, in, a, in a strange way. But whenever you begin to lose that security, I think that's time to quit. <laughs> yeah, that's my feeling. You know. But you haven't really quit. That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> you had several visions that you said were more or less clairvoyant visions that told you about the past, things that you supposedly didn't know about, uh, other than the visions, for example, the graduate students who supposedly yeah. book. Yeah. Did you ever check to find out if what you saw was true or not? <laughs> well, that's so funny, you know. It, there must be something. I've been involved in hunting treasures lately. Mexican came to me and, and they told me that there was a house that uh, uh, had belonged to a man who had apparently stored a lot of money and never used a bank ever in his life. And he figured, he had calculated that there was, there was at least $100,000. And he asked me if I could discover where the money was. That's That's an interesting proposition here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, I followed this ritual. It was a minor ritual that produces, in quotes, a vision. Not 
clear as a divination procedure, but it's a vision that we interpret. A fire that has to be made to attract whatever it is that has to be attracted. So this bunch of other four people and I, they did all the ritual, they followed me, they trusted me, of course. And, uh, and they were waiting for a vision, but nothing came at all. And then, the, the, the fact was that everybody was looking for this treasure under the house, and the house on the field. They hide underneath the house, and they dug up the whole house. And uh, the guy who was digging up was bitten by a black spider, one of the black widow spiders. And it was disastrous, and they didn't find anything. So then I came into the picture, and I, I had a vision, I had a dream. A dream in which the owner of the house was pointing to the ceiling. And I said, aha, it's not in the basement, it's in the ceiling. And we went one day and uh, tried to find it in the ceiling. But we didn't, we couldn't find anything. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was disastrous though, because one of the Mexicans very big, <coughs> weighs about 315 pounds. It's a big moose. And then there's a small hatch to go into the ceiling, and there's, there's an old house constructed in the 20s, probably. And they flimsy, and the ceiling paper thin. So I was kind of walking on the beams, and this guy got very suspicious. He thought that we were going to cheat him out of his money. He found it. And he came into the ceiling, he came up, and I said, Stop, stop, hold it. He didn't. <laughs> he walked up to where I was, I was in the center of the house, the center of the room, because that's the place I saw he appointed in my vision, of course. And the guy stood by me and he went through the ceiling. <laughs> and he got hooked, you know, and the legs were hanging, and the supper part was up there. Did someone make any, uh, Restrictions or any regulations about the circumstances in which you can use the incantation. The question of selfish reasons. Yes, yes, very good, very good. Yeah. yeah. I went to see the one, and I told him about the failure and how, you know, it was very, and he said, well, it's very natural. See, it, it, whatever is left of a man guards whatever he's hiding. I have my notes. You know, that I look in the field, that I treasure a great deal. I become very possessive with my notes. And the one says, will you leave your notes for any idiot to, to, to give? No, I won't. <laughs> That's the point. And says, what's the difference? The guy loves his money. And <laughs> he's not going to let two idiots like me come and get it. Therefore, he sets all kinds of, of traps and, and destruction. That's the turning point in my approach with the one. From then on, I've never been able to think that I could uh, trip him. He, he, he flipped me intellectually. I thought that that piece is very neat, and very, very simple and coherent. And from then on, I was not ever able to think for myself as the student of anthropology, the, 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 the university student coming to look down on, on an Indian, he completely destroyed, dislodged my affiliation to the intellectual man-made.
You made me think for myself as a man who doesn't know anything in relation to what he knows. But I don't know what he means. All I I given you is what he gave me. I don't know how fear could be vanquished, because I haven't vanquished it myself. I have an idea that perhaps to be um, applicable, I like to go into the field and test it, but that's another story. That's very different. Did he vanquish fear? Well, he, he, has, he has. He has. It, it looks like it's very simple. <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, once you have the mechanics, I suppose, they, he is parting at all times from a different point of view. He sits he, like a, a, a whatever is between the phenomena that I am experiencing and me. There's always an intermediate. It's a set of expectations, motivations, language, this is, name it, it's there, this is the whole set. And that's my, my, my heritage as a European, to use the set which is common to all of us, that's why we understand each other. But the one has a different set, an entirely different. That's the incapacity to understand them. Very difficult to understand what he's talking about. Like when he says that one could conquer fear. There's an interesting idea that occurred to me now, in that I would like to test in the field. I have uh, attended recently a peyote meeting. It was a gathering in which I just took water to them. I didn't participate. I just went there to, to watch, to observe. Because I, I had this I have a right to the conclusion that the consensus, the agreement that he gave me, as I, I narrated in this book, a private agreement, special, between the teacher and the student. But something else takes place. It is a collective agreement. A whole bunch of people agree upon things which cannot be seen ordinarily. But I always thought that this agreement consisted in queuing the others. Therefore, there must be a leader, I thought, that could queue, you know, by twisting the eye, you know, something like that, you know, twisting the fingers. And therefore, they all say that they have agreed, because one gives the cue. They believe, like, for instance, in the matter of peyote, anybody who takes peyote hears a buzzing in the ear. However, the Indians believe that there are 17 types of buzzing, and each one then corresponds to a precise nature of the visitation. The deity, Mescalito, comes in a specific way, and it announces it by buzzing. So there must be an agreement among the eight, ten people as to what buzzing is it in the first place, and then the nature of it. How is the lesson going to be? It's going to be a ferocious lesson, very dramatic, or it's going to be very mild, amenable. Well, depends on what what is the, uh, I suppose, the mood of the deity. But I thought that the, this this agreement was accomplished by means of a code. So I went. I I asked them one to. I could drive them. I I I. I 
to my car and drove a whole bunch of people in. I made myself available in that form. And then I could serve, I said, you know, bring, bringing water to them. So I watched. And uh, I couldn't detect uh, any cold at all. However, in my effort to watch, I got involved. Very deeply involved. And at a moment, I flipped. And I walked into this experience of dope. In course, I had taken theory, which I didn't. This is my stand, okay? I think what they do is they hold judgment. They drop the set, and they're capable of getting the phenomena in a different level. They're capable of viewing it in a, at a level that is different from what I do ordinarily, the way I do it ordinarily. <coughs> so if I drop the set, this, this, whatever it is that is interfering, intermediate, the intermediate set between the phenomena and me, I'll arrive to this area of a special agreement. Therefore, it's very simple for them to arrive to that. I thought that in a series called Mutotes, a whole, a whole series of days, five, six days, which is the intake theory, I thought the last day was the only day in which they agreed. But maybe they agree every day. <laughs> I don't know. I have to go and find out, you see? I, I don't know. I, I know that it's possible to hold judgment. Yeah, the girl asked a question about fear, languishing fear entirely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, as I read it, a misunderstanding. I mean, as far as fear is no longer enemy, it doesn't mean you don't have it anymore. Right? Because he said the man always goes to knowledge, and this would be anywhere along the line, even after you vanquish fear, yeah. with fear, uh, respect, wide awake, and uh, the fourth thing. So you always have the fear, but it's no longer your enemy. Isn't that? No, maybe, maybe, though, however, perhaps we are afraid only because we are judging. That's another possibility. That once we drop the prejudgment, well, what's there to fear? At the moment, like, uh, he used pure years ago. That's before I met him. Today, he's not interested anymore in curing or bewitching, he says. He says that he's beyond, beyond company or solitude. So, he just exists. He, says, he lives in central Mexico. I was just going to say, what does he do with his promise? Maybe he's lying. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know. Uh, some places where you mentioned that you smoked mushrooms down in the state of Chihuahua. Uh, I just wondered what the family, I'm sure of that, and they grow in central Mexico. Then you make a journey list <laughs> and wait for a year before they are usable. And they're inside of a gourd. And after that, they are, they are, they are utilized. Was the ones, were they from Oaxaca? They're central Mexico, that area, yeah, Oaxaca. They, they, are, they, are, they are 14 species of Cyber Cyber. Can you tell us about the, about the need and nature for secrecy and mystification? Well, I don't know. He feels like uh, they, 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 in order to return, you have to have a, a great degree of help and knowledge without which you don't return.
Maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Maybe you, you need the, 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 the no, not, not so much the, the encouragement or, the, or a friendly man telling you everything is the right job, don't fear. But more than that, maybe you need another type of knowledge that will render the experience utilized, meaningful, and not crack your mind, you see, not, not really bust you. I do. I do. I don't think they should, because perhaps we would get to know more about it. Otherwise, we become a spearhead, and a spearhead burns. Period. You know what the psychoactive substances are in the tour? And the atropine, and uh, uh, I don't know, the hyosiamine, the, 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 the and. Uh, there are other two more. There's some, some, some that somebody called metalloidine, but nobody knew what metalloidine was. But they're very toxic. Terribly toxic. They, they are very harmful plants. No, the, the strychnine, the, the peyote contains strychnine. Eight times so far. Were there other units of Don Juan considered to be just equal as I know two. Uh, did you, were, were they just equal? Well, not partial view through your eyes. The one like he says that his predilection is talking. He likes to talk. There are other men who who, who have another type of predilection. There's uh, there's a man who uh, gives lessons in in waterfall. His predilection is balance and movement. Uh, and uh, the other one that I know dances, and he accomplishes the same thing. What about mushrooms in the other world? No, no, there's no hallucinogenic mushrooms. Yeah, that's not an old world, though. That's the same Yeah, you can say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's where it's going all over the purpose. It's a well, it's a plant that grows anywhere, and, 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 and anywhere in the United States. <laughs> but the, the, the intake of the tuna produces a very terrible uh, inflammation of the prostate gland. So it's, it's, it's not desirable to use it. So uh, it's, it's a very toxic thing. No, no, after it's prepared, you know, I mean, those toxins. The, the American Indians, I think, learned a great deal in manipulating plants. And uh, how they learn, perhaps like Don Juan says, you could uh, arrive to a direct knowledge of complex procedures directly via tapping this whatever, whatever you tap. Can you talk a little more about the first series about finding the good and bad spots and what your interpretation of the meaning, do you see any meaning in, uh, in terms of good and bad, good and evil, or just, or... No. No, I don't know. All, I, I've never interpreted it in any way except, again, as I stated, <coughs> a special, ordinary reality. He, again, I think, manipulated me. And, uh, or... Perhaps it's possible to see colors. I have a friend who reported the other day to me that he saw magenta. He said that was the only thing that he saw. He, he tried to do this and, uh, at night, and uh, he was capable of arriving to this uh, distortion of color, whatever. 
one thing I noticed while reading the book is that all these experiences take place at night. Uh, no, I think night's very friendly. The night is very friendly. Very amenable. It's warmer. That's why one of the reasons. In the darkness, is this covering. It's very, uh, it's like a blanket. Very, very nice. In the other hand, daytime is very active. It's too busy. And it's not uh, conducive to, uh, to, to, to the feeling needed or anything like that. I like the night, I don't know why, maybe, maybe I'm an owl or something. I, have, I like it very much, it's very amenable to me. I turn the lights in my house off all the time. I, I feel very funny for some reason, I feel very comfortable when it's dark. And I feel very restless when there's much light. Can you tell us more about Mr. Lido? Like what? What? How? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I was just saying. First of all, American Indians have a garden. It's not called Mescalito. It's called something else. They have different names. Yeah. Mescalito is circumlocution that he uses, like to say, little Joe, little Billy. Circumlocution to mean William. Is he one one God, or is he like a thousand million forms? That's power. It's a teacher. Not God. It's a teacher. It's a teacher that's outside of yourself. They, you never name you never mention it by name because the name that he gives it to you is personal and therefore you use the circumlocution mescalito not the word peyoro because peyoro means something else it's not applicable to that it's a it's a word that is being borrowed by the Spaniards peyoro is a state very much like uh, like Ventura in the Mexican in the Spanish, used in Mexico, the tour is called Toloache. In Toloache, uh, uh, the, the people say Toloache, but that's not, that's not accurate. Toloache is a state of knowledge. Later to the Ventura, but it's not the plant, it's a state of knowledge. And so it's another word, Ololuqui, that the Sagund and Spanish uh, priest. Uh, was very concerned with, and people have identified Oroluque as the, 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 the seat of the morning glory. But that's not, it, it belongs to the Datura also. But it's again, it's another, it's a state, a state of knowledge. Does Don Juan or any of the other Rufos uh, have any difficulties with the church because of this? Uh... Well, I suppose they do. They, they couldn't care less one way or the other. They are capable of short-circuiting the work of the, dominar the dominant society, which is very, very, very appealing to me, at least, to be able to short-circuit short them and render them meaningless and useless and harmless. See, the one is not trying to fight anybody, therefore nobody fights with him. He's very capable. He's a hunter. He's a, uh, he's a hunter. He's a capable man. He does everything himself. <coughs> he's, uh... He, he, he hunts animals. Well, in many ways, metaphorically, in, you know, in, 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 in a literary way, he's, he hunts in his own way. And, uh, he's a warrior, meaning he's, he's, uh, alert on his toes consistently. He never lets anything go beyond 
buying him. In this, there's a great argument that I have with his grandson. His grandson says, my grandfather is feeble-minded. I, I, I said, you know what, well, perhaps you're wrong. Do you think that you could sneak up on him? And the young guy, Fernando, says, no, my grand you cannot sneak up on my grandfather, he's a brujo. <laughs> Absurd, you know? How could you say that he's feeble-minded and then you say that he cannot speak up on you? But that's the idea, you see. He maintains everybody under this, this, this sort of control. He never lets me out of his sight. I'm always within, within his, his view. He lives an automatic crush, unconscious. He's not aware of it. But I'm always there. At all times, you know, he's, he's, he's very alert. One is not, a, not an Ishi. He's not an isolated man. He is a hunter, a warrior. His life is a game of strategy. He is capable of rounding up his armies and, and use them in the most efficient way, the most efficacious way. He's not a guy who cuts corners, but his, his great motto is efficacy. And that's totally opposed to my motto. My mortals waste, <laughs> like all of us, <laughs> unfortunately. You see, and then I get caught in tremendous upheavals of meaning, and, and, and things split me, and I begin to whine. You know, why, why, how, how did it happen? You know, you have to, if I would be able to live like the one, I could set my life in a, in a way of strategy, set my army for strategically. Like he says, then if you lose, all you lose is a battle. That's all. And you're very happy at that. But not with me, because if I lose because they took me, you know, they raped me, you know, I've been taking in my furor, you know, no end to my fury, because I, I, I was not prepared for it. But what would happen if I was prepared? Then I would just defeat it. And defeat is not so bad. But to be raped, that's terrible, that's horrendous, and that's what we all do. But what? We are raped by cigarettes. They can't stop smoking. You know? Or people are raped by food. They can't stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own, my own quirks, you know, and I get raped by, by certain things. I cannot mention that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, and I mean, weak and feeble, you know, and helpless. So one seems that to feel that that's an indulgence that he cannot afford to. And uh, he is not indulgent at all. He does not indulge, and yet his life is very harmonious, terribly funny, <laughs> and, and, and great. And I, and I, I ponder, well, how in the devil can he do it? And I think it's by cutting his indulgence to, to, to nothing. And yet he lives very well. He doesn't deny himself anything. There's the trick. That's a funny trick. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a, almost a semantic manipulation. Like he's 76 years old, he likes girls. He says that the reason why he likes girls is because when he was young, he took one datura with the lizards, and the lizards beat him nearly to death, and he was sick for three months. He was in coma for weeks. And then his teacher told him not to worry about it because from then on he was going to be virile until the day he died. 
He says, the lizards do that. You know, if they bite you too hard, you become very girl. So I asked him, how could I get a couple of bites? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you need more than a couple of bites. <laughs> so, but he's very, he's not frugal in the sense of denial, denial, but yet he doesn't indulge. Maybe that doesn't make sense. The Yakis, the Yakis are Christians, Catholics, nominal Catholics. They, uh, they allowed the Catholic missionaries to come in 1773, voluntarily. And after 80 years of conversations, um, they kill all the missionaries. <laughs> and no other missionary has ever come to the Yakis. And then they involve themselves in this war against the Mexicans, are after the independence of Mexico. The Yaquis have been in war with the Mexican army for 100 years. For solid war. Solid. They raided the Mexican towns, they killed them, and finally, in 1908, at the beginning of the century, Mexico decided to put an end to this nonsense. And he rounded up the sending of huge troops, armies, round up the Indians, put them in trains and boats, and ship them to the south, to Oaxaca, Veracruz, and Yucatan, disperse them completely. And that was the only way to stop them. Then in 1940, after the, you know, after the war, you know, after what Hitler had done with population, you know, with masses of people, in Mexico being the, the avant-garde of democracy in Latin America, they couldn't stand the thing that they had done the same thing to the Yaquis. So they round the Yaquis again. <laughs> brought them back. <laughs> they are again in Sonora now. So, so they are seasoned warriors. They are very, very, very aggressive people. It's, inca it's in inconceivable that one could enter into that society. It's a, it's a closed circuit. They're very aggressive. They won't trust me because I'm a Mexican. They, they see me as a Mexican. They will trust an American. Much, much better, much easier. They hate Mexicans. They call them the Yoris, which means, you know, pigs. <laughs> and because they're being so oppressed. Speak a little about uh, Don Juan and Duco and Don Juan and Diablero. Right? It's the same thing. Brujo and Diablero, those are two Spanish words to denominate, to design, to, to designate the same thing. The one does not want to use that because uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it connotes the sense of uh, evilness. So he uses the word man of knowledge. It's a masakek term. I, con I, I conclude that whatever he, he learned from a masakek because man of knowledge is one who knows. And one who knows is a masakek term. A brujo, a sorcerer, is one who knows. <laughs> I hope that I'll arrive to that, you know. I, I doubt very much that my my uh, makeup is the one that is required to make a man of knowledge. I don't think I have the backbone. Well, does Don Juan agree with that? No, he never told me that, you know. <laughs> he thinks that I have a very bad, uh, uh, probably, uh, frame. I do things because I get bored, which is pretty bad, terrible. 
Jesus presented me the example of a man who was courageous. He found the wood carver that uh, you know was very interested to in the idea of taking peyote. So one took me to Sonora as a as a show so he could convince his grandson that it was very desirable to take peyote. That he would change his life. His grandson is very, ha very handsome chap, terribly handsome, and he wants to be a movie star. <laughs> and he wants me to bring him to Hollywood. And he always asks me, he says, Fernando, he always asks me, he says, Do you think I'm handsome, Carlos? I says, You're really handsome. <laughs> he says, Do you think that I, I, I could, you know, work in the movies as a chief? And a, cowboy movie or something. He would. He would be a magnificent chief. So he, he wants me to take him to Hollywood. He says, you just take me to the door and leave me there. <laughs> I never had the opportunity to bring him to the door. But, uh, uh, however, the one is, has the intention to turn his grandson to the youth of the earth. And he failed every time. He took me one day at the show, and I told them my experiences. There were about eight Indians they left me, and they they said, you know, that uh, uh, well, it's peyote costs madness, it costs insanity. And the one says, but that's not true. That would be so. Look at Carlos. He's a great jacket. That's the movie. He should be. <laughs> Do you think that you, that you could have found the mental understanding that you found now by just taking the drugs without Don Juan? No. I, 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 I am very uh, emphatic that I will be lost. I uh, I just talked to Timothy Larry and he flipped. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's my personal feeling. He cannot concentrate. And that's absurd. That's it. He could pinpoint things. He would exhaustively laugh at things and, and kick one subject until it's dead. <laughs> I don't know why it's very amenable to do that. He has this sense of humor. This, this, what he lacks is the tragedy of a Western man with tragic figures, with sublime beings. Groveling in mud. So <laughs> 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 one is not. He's not a blind being. He told me himself. I I had a great discussion with him once about dignity, and I said that I have dignity. And he, if I'm going to live without dignity, I blow my head off. <laughs> and I mean it. And I, I don't know how I mean it, but I do mean it. <laughs> and he said, "Well, that's that's nonsense. I I don't understand what dignity." Since I have no dignity, since I have, I'm an Indian, I have only life. That's his plan, you know? And I, I argue with him, I said, listen, please, I want to desperately to understand. I said, what I mean by dignity is, I said, what happened to the, to the Indians when the Spaniards came? They actually forced them to live a life that had no dignity. They forced them to take the path of our heart. And he says, that's not true. The Spaniards rounded up the Indians who had dignity, only the Indians who had already dignity. 
Maybe he's right. We'll never round him up. What bothered me very much about the one is the way he's looking at I told the one when I met him, this guy introduced me to him. He introduced him. He says, that's the man I told you about. And I went to, to the one myself. And I said, my name's so-and-so. In Spanish, my name is Spider. Charlie Spider. If I say that, I'm Charlie Spider, he crack up. But anyway, after that, then I, I thought that that was my golden opportunity to make my entry. And I said, listen, I understand that you know a great deal about peyote. I do too. I know a great deal about <laughs> Maybe it'll be, you know, through our mutual benefit when we get together and talk about it. <laughs> that was my presentation. I mean, we used to that. You know, that, that, for, that formal presentation, I've been using it over and over. <laughs> so, he looked at me. He really looked at me in a very funny way I cannot portray. But I knew at that moment that, that he knew that I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I was just throwing the ball, you know, completely bluffing him. That's what bothered me very much. I never even looked at that way, ever. So that was enough for me to be very interested in going to see him. Nobody's ever looked at me that way. Yes? I would like to know, like, like the things that, that Don Juan has that are not good to take all of these things without the guidance of a teacher or whatever. If, if that's not good and it's not a good path to take, then, like, what means is left for like people who don't have a person like John Wise? That's, and that's the real problem. Right. I think it's uh, that's an untenable position. You see, I I placed myself in in that position by myself. You see, that's an untenable position. I wouldn't know. It is like uh, when I went to see him. Um, when the book came out, I took it to him. In the, the, the I, I I got a book, you know, and I, I, I pretended that it was the first book that ever came out of the presses, you know, and I wanted to take it to the one. Maybe it was the first book, I don't know, perhaps it was. I want to believe that it was, anyway. And I took it to him, and I, I get it. I, it was very difficult to get to reach him in the first place, because he was way up in the central part of Mexico, away for a couple of days. And then finally he came down to town. And I gave him the book. I said, Don Juan, look, I finished the book. And he looked at it and he thought it was very nice. He looked, he said, it's a nice book. And I said, in a fit of passion, I said, I want you to have it. I want you to keep it. And he said, what can I do with a book? <laughs> you know what we do with paper in Mexico? <laughs> This concludes this episode of The Shaman's Brew. Be sure to tune in next week and tell your friends and your family and all your contacts about the information that I'm going to be sharing with you.
If you uh, if you would like to learn more about the show, you can uh, go to my website, www.theshamansbrew.com. And if you are an independent radio station that would like to rebroadcast this show, please contact me at marcus at theshamansbrew.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>